So thankful that you're here with us today. Today we go back to the book of Colossians. If you're new with us, we're in the middle of a study of the book of Colossians. And to make sure that you stay awake and that our mind is focused, let me ask you to stand up. We'll do something we had not done in probably about 10 years. Hold your Bible up. Everybody stand up. Hold your Bible up. Unlike 10 years ago, cell phones work, all right? You are to repeat after me, this is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can have what it says I can have. And here's the key today. I can do what it says I can do. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed, which is the Word of God. My mind is alert. Did you lie? (laughs) And my heart is receptive. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same. Amen. Be seated. Open to Colossians chapter 3. The theme of Colossians is that he is number one, that Jesus is number one, that there's no one who compares. Just listen for a moment as I tell you all the ways that Paul has described Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the creator of all things. He is the head of the church. He's the fullness of deity in human form. In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What's he done for us? He has disarmed the powers and authorities of evil. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. He has reconciled us with the Father. He's given us the hope of glory. He's forgiven our sins. He's given us freedom from rule-based religion. He has made us alive. He's improved us as spouses. He's improved us as children. He's improved us as students. He's improved us as employees. He's improved us as employers. He changes every area of our life. He is truly number one. He is our life. That's what Paul has said to us thus far in the book of Colossians. Now, what Paul says is if you really believe that Jesus is number one, you're going to want to share it. Yeah, we, we know this. We know this analogy. You know I'm going to make it. You know, we, we know our teams here in Alabama, which has happened quite frequently between Alabama and Auburn, win national championships. We have no problem sharing that, right? Um, we plaster it on our bumper stickers. We put it on flags. We put it on mugs. We talk about it anywhere we go rather freely because when something's that important to us and they're number one, we say it. You know, over the last generation, it's got even popular if your child does something really well, that you even put that on a bumper sticker. You've seen the bumper stickers out there, my child is an honor student, and then they name the school. Can you imagine our parents' parents doing that 40 or 50 years ago, putting a bumper sticker on their car about that? Well, we do it. I saw a spoof. You can actually um, order the following bumper sticker on the Internet. Look at this one. My child made inmate of the month at the county jail. (laughs) Well, we're getting pretty bad, aren't we, right? And and some people have gotten so bad, they put pictures of their grandchildren all over Facebook. I mean, you you just... Oh, that's good. (laughs) You know, if it's not on Facebook, it really hadn't happened. You, You understand that? 
You know, we, we, we don't have any problem sharing the good things that go on in our life. We say it all the time. And Paul says, the best thing that's ever gone on in your life is Jesus Christ. And why do you struggle to share it? Let's be bold about that. If he's really number one, I should have just as easy a time walking into my barber shop and talking about Jesus being number one as I do about the Crimson Tide or the Tigers of Auburn. I ought to be able to just say it. And Paul can give us some, some tips about how to do this. So go with me to Colossians chapter 4 and let's read verses 2 through 6. Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for your message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, Paul is concerned about his own boldness in sharing Christ. And he's concerned about our boldness. Now, here's, here's what I want you to understand here. The context of this passage. We studied last week as Paul talked about the relationship between slaves and masters. As you read the verses that we're reading right here, you could detect that Paul is not in the best of places. He is in prison. So the context here of sharing the gospel is not like you're in a really easy place to do it. And here's the first point I'd like you to write down this morning. The more challenging the situation, the greater the opportunity. You understand that? The more challenging the situation in which you have to share the gospel, the greater the opportunity. You say, well, why is that true, buddy? Because the greater the contrast in our lives and the lives around us. We bemoan what's happening in our country today with morals and beliefs. I think we ought to. But one of the good things that's going to happen in America over the next few decades is it's going to become more and more evident those who really are Christ followers and those who are not. It's going to be a lot harder just to be sort of a, a lukewarm, mediocre Christian. It's going to stand out if you stand up for him. Because the more challenging the situation, the greater the opportunity. You know, Paul here is a prisoner, and he is struggling to live his life out for Christ. And so as a prisoner, he's wanting to share. Now, if we were in prison, we might say this morning that uh, we're not so sure about how we would do in that situation, right? In fact, we might get in prison and go, great day, if God really loved me, I wouldn't be here. And so, man, I'm, I'm just going to close down until I can say something. Paul believed it was the greatest opportunity of his life. You read the book of Philippians. Philippians says that he had shared the gospel with the whole Praetorian Guard. There were tons of Christians there because Paul literally had a captive audience, right? And so he used that to share with people. Uh, the preacher William Willimon writes about some Christians in Angola when the Marxists had taken over. And they were imprisoning Christians and they were killing preachers. And, and this man shares, he says, the government does what it needs to do. The church does what it needs to do. If we go to jail for being the church, we shall go to jail. 
Jail is a wonderful place for Christian evangelism. Our church made some of its most dramatic gains during the revolution when so many of us were in jail. In jail, you have everyone there in one place and have time to preach and teach. Sure, listen to this. Sure, 20,000 of our preachers were killed during the revolution, but we came out of the jail a much larger and stronger church. Now, this man is sharing this in America, and he's beginning to sense the feedback from a, an audience in Evansville, Indiana. And then he says this, you guys don't need to worry about the church in Angola. God is doing fine by us. Frankly, I would find it more difficult to be a preacher in Evansville, Indiana. Here there is so much, so many things. It must be hard for you guys to be the church there. What's he saying? The more difficult the challenge, the greater the opportunity. And sometimes in America, it looks like we're not very challenged. But we are. I like the statement that God allows two people, a Christian and a non-Christian, to both lose their job at the same time so the world can see the difference with someone who knows Christ. God allows a Christian and a non-Christian to both be diagnosed with cancer at the same time so the world can see the difference of what faith makes. God allows a Christian and a non-Christian even to go through a divorce so the world can see the difference that faith in Jesus will make. God allows a Christian and a non-Christian to be disappointed in life or in a difficult marriage so the world can see the difference that Jesus makes. So my friends, if you come here today and you go, buddy, this is nice for you to talk about talking about Jesus, but I'm in a bad work situation and I don't know what I'll do, or I'm in a bad marriage situation, or I got difficulties with my children, listen to me. You are in the great place to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul says, and that's the context of the passage that we're studying. So how do we share the message? Let me give you some practical points as we start closing down here. Practical points. How do you share the message? Share the message, first of all, with urgency. Share it with urgency. He says, you've been given an open door for the message of Jesus Christ. Now, what is urgency, guys? For something to be urgent means it demands immediate attention. I mean, to say something's urgent means I need to do it right now. Now, my friends, I think this is the missing link. I don't think I could probably talk to anybody in this audience, maybe somebody, but very few at best, who would say, I don't want to see people come to Christ, or I don't think evangelism, whatever word, sharing the gospel you use, I don't think that's important. Or I don't even think God's asked us to do that. We all know he has. That's not the problem. Our knowledge. The problem is there's just very few of us urgent about it. We think it's a good idea. We'd like to see it happen. But it doesn't get my immediate attention. Guys, I'll I'll be frank with you. I don't see many churches that are very evangelistic anymore. I don't think our Christian colleges 
are turning out people prepared to share their faith. In fact, I see people graduate from our Christian colleges who don't even know how to have a one-on-one Bible study with somebody to share their faith with Jesus. I don't see us really as individuals urgent about this. Now, I want to make a statement that I heard years ago that I've wanted to make a sermon a long time ago. It might be a little bit offensive. I'm actually going to tone the statement down, okay? I'm going to tone the statement down because there are children in this audience. But I think we're at a point where this needs to be said. And I hope you'll take the statement untoned down. You ready? Most of the world is going to hell, and the truth is most of us don't give a darn. You notice the word I changed. The preacher who first said that didn't change the word. But this was his next line in his sermon. The truth is, more of you are upset with me for using the D word than are upset about people that are going to hell. That's the truth. If I'd used that word, I can promise you I'd get quite a few emails the next week. Spare me the emails. I'm telling you, it is time that we became urgent about sharing our faith. We get upset about a lot of things, but what we're not fired up about is, is my lost friend, my lost neighbor, my lost relative, my lost co-worker, my lost schoolmate, are they going to encounter Jesus Christ through me? And Paul says, that's what you need to be looking about, and that's what you need to be urgent about. You see, guys, if, if the lost are really lost and the saved are really saved, then we're going to want to share the gospel. You, you see, a, a key here on the screen is, guys, when, when you see a great need and you understand a great God, here, here's the deal. If we really believe that people without Jesus are lost, and if we really believe that God is extremely powerful and God wants to do all those things he's told us in Colossians, he wants to do not just for me and you, but for everybody. If we see that, that will change our life and that will lead us to our next point, which is the point of prayer. The next key is to pray. If we're going to share the message, we need to share it with prayer. The Apostle Paul says, devote yourself to prayer. Prayer partnership with God and prayer partnership with the church. Here's what strikes me in this, the, these verses. Who's asking for prayer, first of all? It's the Apostle Paul. Paul says, I want you guys back at Colossae to be praying for me that I can be bold and clear and sharing my faith. Now, that, that, that one sort of shocks me, guys, because the greatest evangelist in the Bible, save Jesus, is the Apostle Paul. Nobody seems to be bolder uh, with outreach and care for people who don't know the Lord than Paul. And yet Paul understands for him to be effective, he needs to be praying with somebody about it. And I want to say to you today, the greatest tool we have in sharing the gospel is prayer. Because here's what I want you to get from this passage. I don't want you to walk out of here all lathered up with guilt about what you've got to do. I want you to be all lathered up with faith about what God can do. 
And I believe this, if you will consistently pray and pray with somebody else about reaching lost people for Jesus Christ, God will open the doors. Here's the really cool thing in this passage. You don't have to open the doors. He does it. I know the experience of my life is I've never been consistently praying about this where God's not put somebody in my path that I could tell something about Jesus Christ. And I wonder this morning, what would happen if we as a church would form some prayer partnerships in which we got together and we prayed about lost people and we prayed fervently? Let me ask you this question this morning. In this church, do we pray more for people that are physically sick or people that are spiritually sick? You know the answer. It's physically sick. And I'm not opposed to that. I want that. We need that. What I'm saying to you today is there's something wrong when we're more concerned with physical sickness than we are about eternal spiritual sickness. And when we get that, we start praying fervently. Next word, next key word is wisdom. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. I want to be urgent. I want to be praying about it. And then I want to present a life, as Peter would say, that makes the gospel attractive. Yes, here's what you need to do. Don't get all uptight about this. Pray about it and then be present and then be looking for opportunities for God to open a door. He'll open the door. In the midst of this, Guys, guys here's, here's sometimes what we don't think about. We're around people who don't know the Lord. How in the world is my attitude, my language, how does it reflect God? I mean, even sometimes in this building, I've been to Bible classes before where someone makes a, a harsh, condemning comment about maybe a certain group of people who have a certain sin struggle that obviously they don't have a clue that there may be someone sitting in that classroom who's got the same struggle. We're not, we're not being wise about the opportunity. And guys, when we go out into the world, what they're expecting out of us is harsh, condemning people. And when they see that, they automatically cut off the message. You know that. They don't want to hear us. And that's why we've got to become wise. And let's be really honest here for a moment. In, in, in an area like we live in, churches of Christ don't have the best reputation. We have, to, we have to overcome that barrier of condemnation that we have created in the past. We have to overcome that before we can ever tell someone about Jesus. So if you go out there and you've got a whiff of judgmental spirit and condemnation in you, they're going to cut you off right from the beginning. I heard something really funny this week, but it also made me want to cry. I was meeting with Tony Adcock. Uh, there's Tony and Joe right here who, over, who oversee our, our Barnabas group. And our Barnabas group helps people that are trying to overcome same-sex attraction. It meets on Tuesday nights. It's a great, great ministry, having great groups. And so Tony and Joe brought a couple of the people there that are meeting just to meet and talk and pray about what we can do as a church. And one of the guys who doesn't go to church here, in fact, none of them right now go to church here, none of the people meeting, said, the reason I go to the meeting here at Landmark is because I know that no one will find out about it. I want to keep this secretive. And then this is exactly what he said. No one would ever guess 
there would be a church of Christ with this kind of ministry. And so when I meet here, I know I'm incognito. Now, number one, that is sort of funny. But really, it's really sad, right? That we would be known as so harsh people that we would not be the people who would want to help someone with that kind of sin struggle. That's sad. And that's why, my friends, we've got to become wise in the way we reach out to outsiders. You've got to know when you're at that job place, you're representing Christ. When you're at school, what people think about you is going to impact their relationship with Christ. And it ought to make an incredible difference. And that brings us to the next point. We need to share it with our speech. You know, he, he uses three words here to describe our speech. Pretty interesting word. Number one is gracious. We've talked about that one. Do people, do people hear graciousness in your voice? When you talk about your boss, when you talk about someone who's done you wrong, when you talk about the political leader that you happen not to like, is there a graciousness about us? That's, that's one word that's important. Because the, the first way they're going to encounter grace is not by understanding the grace of Jesus. It's going to be about understanding the way you and I treat people that we disagree with. Or someone who you may think is doing you wrong. Now, the second word, this is the one I've never noticed before, is the word, he says our speech should be Salty. That's a pretty cool word. It really means it should be earthy. Let me just tell you a little bit about what this word means. It means it should be interesting. It should be sparkling is another word for it. It should be witty. It should be seasoned. The opposite of salty is boring. What he's saying is when we go out there, one thing we need to absolutely avoid is being the most boring people in the office. Sometimes we as Christians are so uptight, you know, about everything going on around us, and we just sit there as that uptight person. And Paul says, no, go, go in there and, and have some salty conversations. What's that mean? You don't need to go in there and just talk about God. You need to be able to talk about hunting or fishing or football or sewing or whatever the people around you are talking about. You need to be able to jump in those conversations and be a part of them. And don't be the biggest bore in the office because you're so uptight about being a Christian. Being a Christian ought to make you the most exciting, you know, stimulating person in the office with your conversations. I love that. So be gracious, be salty. And then one more thing is be clear. When the door does open, you need to know clearly how you would present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you have a way that you can tell people how good Jesus has been to you? Do you have a concise, clear, bold way when that door does open that you could say, you know what, this is what Christianity is all about. The Apostle Paul has some places where he sums it up in one sentence, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. He who had no sin became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's pretty clear, isn't it? One sentence. Do you have a clear way that you could state this is why following Jesus is so awesome? 
So let your speech, guys, that, that's what people are first going to encounter with us. They're first going to encounter the, just what we say. Then I ask you, does what you say around the people you work with and live around, does it display graciousness and saltiness and clearness? And then one more point here, you want to have alertness. He says you're, you're going to be watchful. You're looking for that opportunity. You pray. You use wise speech. And then you watch. One of the most frustrating things about the topic we're talking about today is when you try to walk through a shut door. I mean, you leave a sermon like this, think, man, I got to go to work tomorrow, and I got to say something to somebody about Jesus, and just sort of awkwardly in a conversation, you put something in. That's not what he's asking for here. He's saying, you go there, and you be the best friend that you can be. You go there, and you engage in conversations about all kinds of topics. Probably the worst thing you could do in American culture today is the first thing you bring up is, are you lost or are you saved? Just go in there and be Jesus to those people. Go in there and when you walk in the office, pray about it. When you sit by that person in class, be, be a good friend. If they need to catch up on some notes, help them catch up on some notes. Someone's behind at work, you be the one that stays a little bit late to help them get their work where it needs to be. You just, first of all, go in there, and, 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 and first of all, by your actions, and second, by your speech. I mean, just show Jesus. And I guarantee you it will happen. God's going to open the door. Now, here's what you got to do, is you got to be alert. you got to be watching. When does that conversation come up when I can throw something in about God? When is that opportunity where I could talk about what Jesus has done in my life? When does that opportunity come when everybody's talking where I could say, man, if you go to our church, it wouldn't be that way. I wish you'd come. I mean, you're alert. See, some of us, if we're not careful, especially when we get to work, we're so uptight about being Christians. And number two, we're so self-absorbed that I'm not noticing what's going on around me. And you want to notice. You want to care. You know, I've seen that happen in really subtle ways, and I've seen it in my life happen in very bold ways. I can remember when I moved to Montgomery back in 1981, and I was single, and I was looking for an apartment, and I was looking all over town, and it was back when Eastdale Apartments were brand new. That shows how old I, was, I am, right? It was brand new, and I walked in there, and they were just opening, and, and I, I promise you, when I walked through the door, because I was much more convicted in that day than I am now, unfortunately, I walked in the door asking God to give me an opportunity to tell someone about Jesus. And this lady helped me, you know. Her name was Sarah Estes. She's passed away now. And Sarah helped me. And, you know, we encountered and we started talking. And she asked me what I did. And I told her I was a minister. And, you know, really wasn't where I was going to rent an apartment, quite frankly. But there was something so nice about her, I decided to, to, to rent there. And I rented there. And it wasn't a month after I rented there that she called me, the apartment manager, and said, You know what, buddy? I want to have a Bible study for the whole apartment complex. Would you mind leading it? Oh, no, Sarah, I don't want to do that. That was awesome. I can't tell you the amount of doors that God opened for me. And I'm, I'm telling you, it's not because of me. It's because instead of just walking in there wanting an apartment, I prayed about God opening the door. Sometimes it takes longer. About three years ago, I was working out over the wise up on... And I, I met this guy, and we just started talking. And, um, you know, it was very obvious pretty quickly that he, he was in trouble in his marriage. 
And I, I just told him I'd start praying for him. I invited him to church. He didn't come. He'd talk every once in a while what's going on. Every once in a while I'd run into him maybe every few months, not very often. And, you know, um, I know he went through a divorce. That's three years ago. Two months ago he showed up over at this service over there with his new girlfriend and his daughter. And I got a chance to lead this guy to Jesus. Because I'm telling you, if you'll pray about it, if you'll be who you need to be in front of people, if you'll wait for God to open that door, he will open the door. If you'll go out and make friends for Jesus, just be the best friend someone can have. Be the most pleasant person around there. Let your speech be gracious and sparkling and look for that opportunity to say something. So, here's the question of this message. When will you start sharing it? The, the, the point of this message of what Paul says is this is urgent, guys. I think some of us think, okay, my life is so busy right now. I'm just trying to raise my children. Or I'm trying to, you know, get my marriage together. I'm trying to do this or that, get my career started. And one day I'll become this bold person for Christ. Guys, that is a ploy of Satan. You can do it right now without going anywhere else that you don't go already. Just be that person. Would you be urgent about it? Now, I'm, I'm going to give a real specific challenge today because I really don't want this to be one of those messages where we go, oh, that was cool, and we all walk out and say, well, we ought to be evangelistic, and we just go do the same thing. Here's the challenge. I'm, I'm going to find out in a moment how many of you would actually take this challenge. Here's the challenge. Find a prayer partner and pray together for the lost every week between now and Easter Sunday. That's a pretty simple challenge. Find someone that you're going to start praying with this together. Guys, there, there, there's nothing more powerful than a prayer partnership. It may be somebody you know here at church that you've never had a spiritual conversation. I'm going to tell you, this would change it. It might be your spouse. It, it may be one of your children. It may just be a friend that you know is a Christian. And you say, could we just once a week over the next few weeks, could we, we can even do this over the phone. Maybe, maybe somebody you eat lunch with and after you get through eating lunch, you just go out in your car and pray. But you don't just pray about what's going on in your life. You're going to pray about God opening doors for lost people to come to Christ. Can you imagine what would happen in this church if we'd start doing that? Number one, I will guarantee you that lost people will come to Christ. Number two, I will guarantee you, you will have have some friendships like you've never had before in your life. There's no experience like praying together that will change your relationship and that will bind you. There's no partnership on this earth comparable to a prayer partnership. So you got a real specific challenge today. Would you be willing, even before you walk out of this place maybe, just, just, just grab a friend and say, could we, you know what? Blame it on Buddy. Buddy's asked us to do this. Would, would, you, would you be willing to pray with me? No, we're, we're, we're going to pray specifically about something here. We're, not, not we're going to pray for God to open doors in our family, in our workplace, our school, in our neighborhoods, 
For God, could, could you imagine what would happen if we would do that? Now, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand if you're willing to take that challenge, okay? It's a simple challenge. Some of you may be a stretch. Some of you may be uncomfortable with it. I'm not afraid to ask you to do something uncomfortable that's so prominent in the Bible. Here's what I do know is it would change things. Now, here's what I want to say, though, before we do that. The truth is he is number one. Jesus is number one. He is number one. Now, here's also the truth. Everyone will one day acknowledge that. You got that? Everybody's going to acknowledge that. There's going to be no choice of that. Philippians 2, every knee will one day bow. The question is, will you and will your friends bow now or later? Will they bow now when there's an opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus? Or when they bow when there is no opportunity left? They're going to acknowledge him, number one. You're going to acknowledge him, number one, at some point, whether you want to or not. The question is, when will you do it? The hope of this message is, we'll do it now. We'll, we'll acknowledge him, number one, while we've got a chance to impact people. We want to help our friends acknowledge him, number one, while it has a chance to change their marriage and their children and their workplace and everything about their life. And more than anything, lead them to a saving relationship with Jesus right now. Can you imagine with me a moment what would happen if this morning, before you walk out of this building, you developed a prayer partnership? Wouldn't it be cool if over the next few weeks, some of us, we met in this lobby out here to pray for the lost. Instead of just talking about the weather, maybe we did something actually spiritually meaningful. We just get in a corner here and say, man, let's pray about it. How's it going? What could happen? I believe incredible things could happen. So I'm, I'm going to ask you to respond. First of all, would you stand if you're willing to take this challenge and develop a prayer partnership? Stand right now. Who's willing to do it? Praise God. All right. Praise God. Can you imagine what we're going to do? Take this for real. Maybe even establish before you get out of here. Now we're about to sing a song. The rest of you can come forward. But I'm playing. But uh, what what we're going to do in just a moment, we're going to sing this song. And today, if you you just know you need some prayers in the church to be more bold, if today you don't know Jesus or he's not been number one in your life, you say, I can't start doing this, buddy. I don't even, I'm not even living for him. If you knew what's going on in my family, if you knew how I acted at work and what my language and attitude was like, I got to get something right with God first, and then I'll do it. If you need to come, why don't you come right now while we sing together?